You are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. And in studio tonight, we have me and Dave. And later we'll hear from Hank and uh, Craig. We are without Brennan. He had a chance to go to a cool comedy show, so we'll probably hear about that next week. And he's also going to give his review of Batman, which he saw on the weekend. You will hear Craig's review of Batman today. And uh, they're going to talk about uh, some other stuff, too. Very, very quickly, Hank is going to give us a little rundown on uh, The Tourist and Picard Season 2 and Letterkenny and a bunch of other stuff. We're going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about icy movies. So January, February, I was not emotionally ready to watch any of that because it was too close to the bone. It was like, I, this is outside. You know, I'm, I, I'm living this. I don't need to watch this movie. But now that we're getting a little closer to spring, it felt okay to delve into it. Yeah, and sometimes when it's cold outside, but you're inside cozy with a nice warm blanket, Watching some of these uh, icy movies, as you said, uh, can actually make you feel more comfortable and, you know, more warm and secure and safe, especially since in a lot of these movies we're going to be talking about, people are battling the cold for their lives and it, a lot of desperation in the theme of the films we're talking about today. Absolutely. What kicked this off was that there's a new movie on Netflix called Against the Ice. And this is about Denmark's 1909 polar expedition to like prove to the United States that all of Greenland was owned by Denmark and that there wasn't a break. There wasn't like an extra island or something that they could claim to. And so these guys have to go out and try to collect the evidence from a previously failed expedition. And this one stars Nikolai Coulter Walter, better known as Jamie Lannister mm. in Game of Thrones, and his sidekick Joe Cole. Uh, they basically, it's, it's a two-hander for the most part. And yeah, it's bleak, man. It also is maybe one of the only movies we've ever seen. There are a lot of movies that have double Game of Thrones cast members in them because there are so many talented actors in that show. And I mean, they, they want to work somewhere, so they're going to end up working together. But I can't remember seeing a movie that had double Lannisters. Yeah, Charles Dance, who, who plays Jamie's dad. The Patriarch. He's in this as well. And it's good. It's a good little character study. It's historically accurate. It's based on the book written by one of the explorers who the story is about. So it's cool. And it's easy to find. You know, anybody can find this on Netflix. And it's decent. It's a good watch. Yeah, and, you know, uh, apart from the sort of blockbusters that are hitting theaters, this is one of the few made in 2022 or released in 22. Uh, films that we've seen and you really notice watching it how it is kind of a covid friendly production because i think it was filmed in iceland who were sort of ahead of the pandemic before a lot of the rest of the world and most of it is filmed outside between two actors like right. you said so there is a bear moment <laughs> and that was almost pivotal in some of my choices here not all these movies have a, a bear mauling in them but uh, a lot of them do and certainly the next one that I want to talk about, The Terror, uh, does. This came out in 2018, and it's a TV show. It was on AMC, 10 episodes. They did have a season two, but it had nothing to do with season one, and I didn't 
I, I didn't make about I that. didn't make yeah. it all the way through. Um, this is about the Franklin expedition in the north, which was like 1845 to 1848. And this one stars Jared Harris. You might remember him from Mad Men. He's been in a ton of stuff and he's just a tremendous actor. But he is the captain who, you know, has to make some life or death decisions for his crew. You know, their ship gets frozen in the ice. Do they stay? Do they go? What do they do? Is there food? There is absolutely some terrifying polar bears that they have to reckon with. You always with. throw in the polar bears when your ship is stuck in the ice trying to find the Northwest Passage. Well, of course. I mean, he's like, hmm, free buffet. Humans are stranded on the ice. I'm going to make a snack of that for sure. But it's good. That one is a really good one to check out. And uh, similarly, Trapped um, is Icelandic. So it's a little bit of a different production. This is more modern, uh, in that, but a, a TV show. And it's a it's a crime drama. Where yeah, it's sort of like if like Twin Peaks or something like that was set in Iceland. Yes. Um, and there's this huge snowstorm which complicates the investigation. It's really good, and it's cold. It makes you feel cold when you watch it. You want to have a nice cozy blanket for sure. Arctic, 2018. This is basically another two-hander, um, and this one is directed by Joe Pena, and it is about a guy who's a pilot, and as the movie progresses, you find out that he's maybe been there a while. Uh, he is stranded in the north. Uh, this is Mads Mikkelsen. Love him. And he witnesses a plane crash, one survivor, so he does his utmost to try to help this woman survive and escape. But the odds are really stacked against them. Yeah, and so you get a lot of just Mads Mikkelsen on screen, you know, performing on his own and occasionally with another actor. And it this one almost has like a weird, like, Solaris kind of feel where you're just like lost with this guy in the emptiness and he's just clinging to whatever remnants of civilization he happens to have with him. Definitely one of the better icy movies we're talking about today. Yeah, he has to carry it and literally like it's him and a sleeping bag with a like unconscious person in it most of the time. But great. Now you also have a movie written down here that I'm thinking maybe I haven't seen. It's a David Mamet movie called The Edge? Yes. This came out a few years back. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. And it's not icy, but there's a bear attack in it. So that's why I kind of just threw it in at the last minute. This one I think that Anthony Hopkins just made to make money. But okay, whatever. It was filmed in Canada. And what I know and remember most about it is that everyone who encountered Anthony Hopkins while he was filming said that he was absolutely a gentleman. That's nice. It's good to hear, right? Maybe he's yeah, maybe he's like more comfortable in an icy climate than maybe. A but lot this, of other actors. Th this one isn't icy, so it really kind of shouldn't be on the list, but I wanted to mention it because it does have the bear element. A okay. better a better movie. Well, actually there's two movies because they're essentially the same movie. The Revenant, which came out in 2015. That's which, icy. It is icy, and there's bear mauling big time. Um, People boil snow to get drinking water in that movie, so it definitely qualifies as icy. Uh, broken bones having to drag themselves across the tundra. Uh, this is directed by Alejandro Gonzalez and Enrico, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Tom Hardy is also in it. 
Leonardo's really good in this. He's not always my favorite guy, but he does a tremendous fight with a bear. I think he, you know, won some awards for this and stuff like that. But really, after watching it once, like, I, I almost was just as struck by what a great villain Tom Hardy is. Mm-hmm. He is a really detestable person in this movie. And apart from being a vehicle for Leo to do all of this amazing gut-wrenching performance in his acting, really what The Revenant is, is like, well, what the title suggests it is. It's a big lead-up to this, like, revengeful reckoning that happens at the end. And although it's a tough slog to get there, I really think it's it's worth it. For, oh, it is. For the, the showdown that you get at the end. Yep, agreed. It is essentially the same movie as 1971's Man in the Wilderness. Now, this was directed by Richard Serafian, and it stars Richard Harris and John Huston. So that's the Leonardo-Tom dynamic there. Right. Both stories are about these trappers... One guy gets hurt real bad, and so the trappers have to decide, okay, what's more important? Do we get the stock, all of the furs that we've just captured, back to sell and not maybe worry about the guy who's slowing us down and leave him for dead? Or, you know, do we do the humane thing and care for him and do what's proper? So that's basically the crux of both. And when Leo and Richard get abandoned by their parties and survive, they're pissed. <laughs> so that's basically carries the rest of both films. And they're both really good. Uh, Man in the Wilderness is uh, slower moving, I think. It, it no, Both don't have a lot of talking because it's like a guy by himself trying to survive in the wilderness. But both are really good. Um, and there are some icy moments. They're certainly not like in the Arctic, like the terror or against the ice, but they definitely have bear mauling and survival angst up the wazoo. They're great. I want to say both these movies involve self-surgery as well. Uh, yes, I th they, they do, because they have to splint their broken bones and sew up their gashes that are bleeding out all over the forest. Yeah. I think a lot of people know about The Revenant, so you know that you either like it or you don't. But if you do and you haven't seen Man in the Wilderness from 1971, that's a must-see. Yeah. I just want to quickly mention The Thing. Because, I mean, it's a horror movie. It doesn't really fit into this genre. Oh, but it's icy. But it's icy. It is super icy. And instead of a bear mauling, you get, like, weird dogs and, like, alien forms and stuff like that. Also good and should be part of this list. And hunting con contaminated dogs from a helicopter with a rifle. Yeah. In the, in the, in the Arctic. Yeah. That's icy. That's icy. Ooh, chilly. Emotionally chilly as well. All right. We're going to take a break, throw things over to Hank and Craig, and uh, they will flirt with telling you about Winning Time, but they haven't actually watched it yet, and we did, and so we're going to break the news on Winning Time right after these guys give you their scoop on Batman and other things. Hey everybody, it's Craig Siliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I am joined, as always, by my super good-looking friend, Hank Cruz. Hank, how you doing, buddy? Wow, that is uh, the best compliment I've received, uh, at least in the last hour, so thanks, Craig. That's hey. really nice. How am I doing? I'm great. Good. I'm great, because I've got questions for you about Batman, but until we talk about the bats, 
I got a few shows that I managed to start watching. So there's a show called The Tourist on Amazon Prime. Have you heard about it? I don't think I have. You remember uh, when that Fifty Shades of whatever movies came out and they were horrible and it was like the worst thing to happen? Well, that guy who's like in it is like the gray guy or whatever. Right. He's in this and he's actually a lot better. So I went, yeah, okay. Um, so it is uh, about a man who wakes up in the Australian outback with no memory and he must use a few clues he has to discover his identity before his past catches up with him. It starts off like that Paul Walker movie. Um, I think it was called Joyride, where the semi-driver was chasing him through the corn and saying like a candy cane and stuff like that. It starts off like that, but then it does get better. It's quite a mysterious and intriguing, so I'm going to keep watching that one. So I'd recommend that. Also on Amazon Prime, there is a last one, Laughing Canada which is, uh, I guess, a uh, franchise that's all over the world. Uh, this one is hosted by Jay Baruchel. And um, it is a six-part competition that pits 10 of the best comedic talents that Canada has ever had against each other in a showdown where anything can happen. Yeah, anything except me laughing. It is not funny. And Jay is a horrendous host that his every second word he says is the F word, like an F bomb. Every second word, it gets super annoying. Normally, I like Jay, but like this, skip it. And Crave dished out a Wetter Kenny International Women's Day special that I didn't know about until it popped up. I watched it. If you love Wetter Kenny, you'll love this episode. And as you know, our favorite captain is back. Picard season two, the Borg. You gotta watch it. Like the first episode, like blew my mind. My daughter was like, "Dad, is there more?" And I'm like, "No, they're releasing it once a week, once a week." And Crave also has a Winning Time: The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, which I'm gonna watch and we'll talk about next week, as well as a Courtney Cox show called Shining Veil vale and the Taika Watiti Our Flag Means Death pirate show that uh, I will talk about next week. But Picard is back. Are you excited? Yeah. Did you watch it? I watched the first episode. Yeah, I did. Uh, I think it was like, so far it was better even as a table setting episode than like most of the rest of the episodes. I kind of had a hard time with some of that series before. Like some parts of it were great and I love Picard and I love Patrick Stewart and they introduced some great new characters and brought back some fun old ones. Oh, yeah. But like a lot of it, like it really took a while to get going in that last season. It like mm -hmm. took them like six episodes to get off earth or something like that. And it's like, come and on. And then they go and they jump happen. like so far in the future. Like, I don't know how many years in the future this is compared to the last one, but some things have happened and, and yeah. the poster's got Q on it. So it's not a spoiler, like Q's in it. Uh, like so awesome. so awesome. Yeah, which I actually <laughs> forgot about about even though I saw him in the picture like when I turned it on but I, I guess I just he's in the background a little bit you can't quite I couldn't quite tell that it was John Delancey uh, so it was actually like cool that you know when he pops up in that episode I was like oh yeah so hopefully the rest of the series can maintain the sort of uh, uh, you know what the first episode started with I would say the pace is still reasonable like he's lots of stuff's happening before it really gets exciting in the back half oh, of the yeah. episode but uh, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that Do you know what nights that airs on like what it, uh, I thought it was Thursdays, but I could be mistaken. Okay, so somewhere around don't, there. Hello, internets and radio listeners. Don't quote me on that one, but it's once a week shows up on Craven. Also, I think on the CTV app, you can get it as well, but on Crave is where I watched it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I get for putting you on the spot. And yeah, Make I haven't watched so that Laker engaged. show. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that Laker show yet either, but I'm I'm excited to watch it. It looks fun. The movie that ended the friendship between Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Uh, yeah, so and I thought that Adam McKay like wrote the whole thing and produced the whole thing. And as it turns out, I looked 
looked at the uh, credits and he directed, I think, one episode. He wrote one episode possibly and he produced a couple, but it's not a full Adam McKay directed and written thing that I thought it was. So. Yeah, you're right. That's true. I saw that too. Uh, so anyway, that stuff's all coming up on TV. And what I want to talk about this week is the Batman uh, starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. So you can go read my full review at thefeedbacksociety.com. But uh, so I'll just go into some of the points, uh, quick points about it here. But basically the Batman starts its story in year two of the Dark Knight's crusade of vengeance against crime, uh, which is great because the last thing we needed is another bloody origin story. I can only watch Martha uh, Wayne's Pearl's bounce around crime alley so many times but uh, we jump right into the story where a sadistic serial killer is murdering political figures in Gotham City so Batman and Lieutenant James Gordon team up to investigate uh, and you know they find some cracks in the facade of, of you know the city itself corruption that's been hiding for years so uh, off the top I'll just say you know what this movie I had to roll around in my head a little while after I saw it uh, after a day or so, I like I loved it. It was it was really good. The best thing I can say about it is that it, of all the Batman movies, it feels the most like reading an arc of the comic book. You know whether that's some long Halloween Jeff Loeb stuff or the Tom King run or something like that. Uh, the movie is three hours long which as you know, I hate usually, especially when it's not justified. These old comedies that used to be an hour and a half in the eighties are now two hours and 10 minutes for no reason. Uh, so I will say though, like the movie moves along pretty well. It may depend on how much you like this kind of thing and how much you like Batman. Cause I have heard of certain people uh, that have gone and been like, I don't know, man, it just, it, it lost steam for me or whatever. But like, I think if you're into this kind of stuff, you're not going to notice that running time too much. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Uh, I really want to point out the score it's it's the same guy i think his name is michael giacchino uh he does a lot of pixar scores i think he did a couple of marvel scores too which are usually pretty like bland but this score not only takes over the movie in amazing ways uh but it also i think helps that three hour running time you've got movies like magnolia or eyes wide shut that are three hours and they have that piano motif in both of those movies that is just like dun 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 that like keeps the movie rolling along and the, the music is different in the batman but it has that same idea of this reoccurring motif that kind of keeps things moving along and, and it's so good so uh and pattinson is uh great in it so i know you had some questions we don't want to get into spoilers here because i know there's a lot of people that haven't spoilers seen it, including yourself but uh what, what do you got? I uh, want to know first is for Batman films in general, in your opinion, how much is enough? Did we need another Batman? I think a lot of people would say we don't and that they're fatigued at superhero movies in general. For me, I like, Spider-Man and Batman were my two like most favorite things growing up. Uh, and so as far as I'm concerned, like we should think of these things like James Bond movies. We're going to crank one out every couple of years. It might be the same Batman for a couple of years. Then we change it up. I think there could be all kinds of different stories told, to be honest. Uh, while I enjoyed watching that last Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home, is that what it's called? I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like a lot of the gimmickry of it, but uh, you know, in bringing back some of the other characters, like the other, I don't want to say too much here, but in some of the things they did were really gimmicky. Uh, however, like, I don't have to like, I mean, I liked it, but I don't have to love it. There's going to be another one in like in a couple of years that, you know, can tell a different story. There's so much to pull from, from, you know, decades and decades of comics from these characters that I think they can keep telling new stories and keep telling it new. Like James Bond, 
you know, there's a different James Bond for the post 9-11 era than there was in the 1960s. And I think that can be the same with Spider-Man or Batman, that they represent these time periods and, and how we've changed as a, as a culture. Uh, you know, they reflect that to a degree. So where would you rank this Batman in terms of your favorite, not in terms of like, say, the best movie, but your favorite film with Batman? Batman films? Uh, yeah. Probably like it's hard to say two or three. So oh, wow. I, mean, I think okay. it's hard to argue that like the dark Knight, uh, the second Nolan movie is probably the best Batman movie. Uh, you may even, you know, but, and even something like this is built on the back of that. So even if you did like this better, this couldn't have existed without that. I have a soft spot for the Tim Burton, uh, Michael Keaton Batman, which I actually just rewatched uh, the other day as well. Uh, and it just doesn't, it's, it's, I love that movie. So it's probably my favorite, but it like, you know, I can't really put it at number one in a, in a list like this. So I'd probably say Dark Knight's going to be number one, probably uh, the Batman number two, and then 89 Batman is number three, even though I might wow. actually weight them different personally. Sweet. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's high praise for that one. Um, the uh, last question is uh, after watching the trailer like 900 times, did they go and shoot the movie and then uh, in post, they went, uh, let's like just crank the darkness up like three or four. Like, was it really that dark the entire time? Like in terms of the brightness of the, the picture itself, yes. was it that dark? Yeah, if I had to compare it to a movie, which I know that they were probably looking at too, seven. Yeah. Rainy, always raining, always like dark and, and uh, even the whole mood of it, certain things, even about the killer match up to, to seven. Uh, so yeah, for sure. So I would say, yes, it definitely mostly, there's some beautiful shots of some like sun sunrises and stuff happening, but like for the most part, you're in a kind of dark and rainy Gotham city. Uh, that is our time for today though. Uh, so I'm going to push back to Jody here and Hank and I will talk to you next week about that basketball show and some other stuff. See ya. All right. Well, thank you guys. So we, watched Winning Time. This is a new HBO TV show. We're living with the animals. We're going week to week. It's awesome. This is the story of the rise of the LA Lakers. It picks up where Dr. Jerry Buss just is buying, negotiating to buy the team, which is, yeah, the NBA is maybe not doing so great. It's not the sexy sports epic that we know it today and so this picks up where he's trying to buy the team and also negotiate to draft this amazing rookie named magic johnson uh, irvin oh sorry yes mama says magic is the devil's word so he is irvin johnson at it, least at the beginning of the series yes this is not a documentary this is totally a fictionalized dramatic telling of this story and it's pretty great um john c Riley is at the helm playing jerry and quincy isaiah plays magic johnson and it really kind of focuses around them and there's a lot of periphery players but we've only had one episode so we don't know where everything's gonna go but they will remain central there's no doubt i don't want to dwell on it but as a laker fan it's really weird that the guy who's playing magic is named isaiah yeah, that's true. Yeah. We can just move on from that. Though. Okay. The story of the Lakers is really, really interesting. And they dance around it actually a little bit in The Last Dance. That That's kind of the last big movie that we've seen or documentary uh, about basketball. And when you're watching it and they talk about just like the legendary like lounge at 
the forum and like how that was party central. It's like, well, tell that story. Like, that's the story I want to hear. So I think we're going to get into that. This show is different. Definitely has that Deadpool, like fourth wall breaking, Ferris Bueller, like addressing the audience directly. That style of it actually reminded me a lot of something like what Oliver Stone did with uh, Natural Born Killers or even the American Psycho movie. Like, I, I, I feel like maybe this series is a comedy. It is a comedy. Yeah. It is a comedy. And it's self-deprecating. It pokes fun at itself, which I think is its saving grace, because otherwise, it, if it took itself too seriously, it would be kind of unbearable. It's really stylized. It loves itself. So if it would be unbearable, I think, it's just a little bit too obnoxious otherwise. But it's fun, and it's set in a, the heyday of L.A., So the clothes and the cars and all that stuff is really well done. Yeah, it also, apart from the character of Irvin, Magic Johnson himself, every character we meet in episode one, and I think this is going to be a three-part, a three-episode series, Hmm. almost everyone we meet in episode one, apart from maybe Magic Johnson's family members, all the other people who are familiar characters that we already know are presented to us in a really unforgiving light, emphasizing some of their most negative characteristics, kind of like a political cartoon. And that's where some of the comedy comes from. Although the series does begin with what I think is magic, getting his first positive HIV test. Yes, and then it flashes back. And so how you turn that into a comedy, I'm not really sure, but I guess... I think, they have a plan for that somehow. I, <laughs> I think because 30 years later he is doing so well that you can oh, laugh at that. That's a very good point. Yeah, I guess I'm a little too stuck in the past with what I'm calling a tragedy, but is actually kind of a success story. It, it, it is. Medically, it's a phenomenon. So, uh, it, yeah, it's cool. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of this because it is an interesting story. Even if you're not a basketball fan, there's actually very little basketball in this so far. It's all behind the scenes and the movers and the shakers. Jerry West is like this obnoxious coach. Who... Talk about emphasizing a guy's negative qualities. That's yeah, they, they definitely do that. So we'll hope for better for Jerry down the way. But the first cup, the first moments of this show are very promising. And I'm definitely going to be watching more. Yeah, as a Laker fan, this comes along at a really good time where there's not a whole lot to cheer about in <laughs> Laker Nation. So having this to look forward to for the next couple of weekends, I guess, you know, as of this airing, we're right on the cusp of... Episode 2, the, the the middle one coming out. They have a lot of ground to cover because with the first one-hour episode, they, they really just barely got Irvin Magic Johnson onto the Lakers. Yeah, he and, the, and it's like the ink is still wet on the contract from buying the Lakers. So we'll see where it goes. We've got a whole lot of Lakers Showtime stuff to cover. I was kind of surprised they didn't call this series Showtime, but uh, maybe that's because it's an HBO series and that would have (laughs) been weird to call it Showtime. I think this episode was called Showtime. Oh, okay. So, all right, that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. Thanks for tuning in, and you know where to find us next week here on CFCR 90.5 FM. In the meantime, keep your dukes up.